The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. My opinion, I think Mitchell Trubisky is the starter. Mm. He should start. I think he's a veteran. He's been around for a while. Um, he gives you, in my opinion, the best chance to win right now. Sure. But I think Mitch um, um, Kenny has done a great job. I mean, you you watch him, you wouldn't. From what I've seen in the preseason, you wouldn't be like, "Oh man, he's a rookie. He's got like he's got some learning curves." Right. He's going to because when the regular season picks up, you know, it gets faster. But I think he's done a great job. Right. I, I think though it would benefit him. I, I say I would say it's about almost all rookie quarterbacks. It would benefit it benefits you to sit behind a veteran for a little bit of time. And I sure. think I think Mitch is a is a, a great leader, a great football player. He's a great athlete. He's a good quarterback. He's the guy that they brought him in here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to mentor. Um, Kenny, and I think he'll really help Kenny a lot. Right. But in my opinion, it's um, it should be Mitch's job for, for you know the time being. Oh, Big Ben! New venture for Big Ben. He's got a podcast, and he shoots it not from an empty restaurant in Pittsburgh. That's his basement. I was going to say that's, that's got that's a basement get. look. That's not. That's a, what you get. That's what you get when you spend about twenty years in the NFL making market value. You you have a restaurant in your basement. Um, and look, I, I love the fact that he's doing this because remember he used to do those weekly spots on ninety three seven the fan in Pittsburgh, and he would stir things up, not even realizing he was stirring things up. So he's going to be an interesting presence from the outside as the Steelers move forward without him. And he's one for one, at least as it relates to roster decisions, Chris, because even though we haven't gotten the announcement, team captain, not Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. Listed on the depth chart the Steelers issued yesterday with no fanfare whatsoever, Trubisky one, Mason Rudolph two, Kenny Pickett three. Trubisky is the guy when they go to Cincinnati on Sunday. Yeah, I don't think that's shocking to us, though, right? We talked about this last week. It seemed like those were the signals they were giving us. Every game he started, 
You know, the, especially the last preseason game against the Lions plays basically the whole first half, right? Uh, there's all of that. You know, the fact that we never really heard any rumors as we discussed of like training camp. Oh, Pick is getting significant num- uh, number, you know, number one uh, reps with with that team or Mason Rudolph. So not surprised by this at all. And Trubisky, I think, to the, what we've talked about, too, when they signed him. There's a lot of positive with Trubisky. And I think Buffalo, in a lot of ways, fixed him. I mean, to me, again, even the, these throws here, he looks different throwing the ball than he did back in Chicago. He's a guy where I think Brian Dayball and company kind of got him straight a little bit with quarterback mechanics and the way he plays now. So he looks good. And then I think you add that to, yeah, a veteran who's played a little ball before, dealt with some some hostile environments and you know a bad offensive line that we discussed it's certainly the biggest question about their football team I think all that makes sense for Trubisky to be the starter what fascinated me because I expected it to be Trubisky it is odd that we haven't heard from Tomlin yeah he hasn't made the announcement but basically there it is he does a press conference every Tuesday in season so we'll hear from him later today Mason Rudolph at number two. Chris, my reaction to this is they're shopping the guy. They're showcasing the guy. Hey, he's our number two. You may not want him if he was our number three, but he's our number two. Well, he's our backup to Mitch Trubisky. What do you want to give us for our backup to whom we gave a $2 million signing bonus and we really don't want to cut because we don't want to eat that money? What do you want to give us for Mason Rudolph? Well, I think there's definitely that. And then I think there's this other aspect that you'd probably agree with. He's the number two if an injury happens this weekend, they'll put him in. But if they then the next week go, wait, Trubisky can't start, I think that's where Pickett becomes number two and then becomes number one, really, is what I'm saying. Uh, you know what I mean, Mike? Where Oh, they do it all the time. Right. Game day backup versus the guy who would right. become the starter if there's a multi-week injury. Exactly. Yep, they don't want to throw the rookie into the game day backup situation either. That's not easy. Like, oh, off the bench, whoa, I didn't get to practice at all this week, and I'm a rookie. And now I got to like play in a game against, whoa, like Trey Hendrickson and these dudes and they're coming after me. And, you know, I didn't get a lot of chances to rep this over. That's where you do want to rely on a, on, a, on a Mason Rudolph. Certainly. I think that. And then to your point, yes, still shopping him, hoping a team comes and grabs him up. But if there was a question of weight, like you talked about, significant starting time, I think that's when Kenny Pickett would become the guy and jump Mason Rudolph. So help me understand this based on your experience in the NFL. you got yeah. three guys on the roster. Obviously, Trubisky is going to get the first team reps this week, if not all of them, the vast majority. What do you do with Rudolph and Pickett? Who runs the scout team? How many reps are there for the other two guys if Trubisky's getting the reps with the first team? I would think that they are going to let them, like, Rudolph will probably get mo- more of the scout team reps. Kenny Pickett will get a few. And then Rudolph will get a few, like, let's say it's a 10-period play or 10-period 10, 10 or 10-play period during practice where they're doing, you know, second and long plays. That's second and seven where, okay, we've run eight of them and maybe Rudolph gets the last two or last one. just to go to, And then, hey, now we're going to scout team and if there's 10 plays here, you know, you get seven of them and Kenny Pickett gets three of them. But where I would think and – my experience and, and knowing people around football who have had young quarterbacks, this is where, hey, after practice, Kenny Pickett's going to get, hey, George Pickens, come here. Hey, you know, Calvin Austin the third, come here, right? Maybe some other young receiver, come here. And we're going to go through the plays and practice today with Kenny Pickett now. 
He's going to call the plays. Young guys, we're going to go line up, and now we're going to go through the gymnastics of the reads and the plays and all that. And that's where the I would think try to make up reps or Kenny Pickett in this situation, Mike. And and that just accelerates the process, gets him to a point where he's he's more ready. And you don't want to have that be a threat to Trubisky, but no, it's just a reality. It is, he knows right. he knows the drill. He exactly. knows what's going on. Exactly. He knows he's on borrowed time. Right. It's just a matter of time before he yields to Kenny Pickett, whether it's after this year or at some point during this year. But interesting to see what happens with Mason Rudolph. Interesting to see what happens if Trubisky struggles and you go back to Pittsburgh and those fans who already love Pickett from his time with Pitt start chanting for the rookie to get into the game. Robert Sala has a second-year guy in Zach Wilson, suffered a knee injury that at first looked like it was going to be pretty bad. It ended up being, I think, an MCL or a PCL, some CL other than ACL, which allows him to come back. Here's Sala from yesterday on the question of whether or not Zach Wilson will be ready to go for week one against the Ravens. Well, we put Zach through a workout today. Uh, looked good, felt good. Uh, we're going to see how the knee responds today and tomorrow, and, uh, and we'll have an answer for everybody on Wednesday. So, so there's a possibility he could play on Sunday. Is what yeah, he's... possible. Is that surprising at all, Robert, given uh, what the kind of initial prognosis was? Uh, no, uh, everyone heals differently. It's Like I said, we'll see what happens tomorrow and all that stuff, but uh, everyone has a different – It's a. I, I almost feel like some of the guidelines that are put on are – um, their guidelines, but everyone responds differently, I guess. I misremembered. It was actually no CL. It was a bone bruise and a meniscus tear. Oh, he had it right. trimmed, right. not repaired. You get that thing repaired, you're out for a long time. You get it trimmed, you're back sooner, but you got less money in the bank going forward. You got less cartilage in your knee for the rest of your lifetime. But he could be back and good to go. Joe Flacco gets the start if he's not ready. And I don't know whether or not there's some gamesmanship going on here from Robert Sala forcing the Ravens to maybe be ready for Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco. Anything you can do to put stress and strain on the preparation is a bonus. You'd rather all your guys be 100%, but if there's a question about your quarterback's health, why not lean into the confusion it can cause for your opponent, Chris? I, yeah, there, This is a tough one to me, Mike. It, this is. I mean, we're talking about a young quarterback, right? who hasn't been able to practice a whole lot or do anything for now, what is it, almost a month, maybe a month, right? And now, whoa, you're going to go jump right back in, and yeah, you're going to get a few days of practice, but play the Baltimore Ravens? You know, This is where, uh, I mean, this is a tough decision if, if I'm the, the Jets organization, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, because I, I have a hard time thinking you're going to get your best, absolute best version of Zach Wilson here. It's hard to miss that amount of time and hit the ground running, you know, when you're a veteran quarterback who's played, you know, five, ten years. This is a guy that, you know, was just getting going here and gaining some confidence and, you know, practicing well to now, oh, wait, we don't get to practice or do anything. And now you got to play the, the Ravens, a team that, you know, I think we both look at and go, Man, they're they're scary. They got a new defensive coordinator. They got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They're one of those teams that kind of seems on a mission there. You know, so that's where you like, I'm not sure. And then you, to your point, Mike, it's like, well, Joe Flacco, he's got some experience. You know, so this is a tough one to me to to blend together. Wait, are you going to get the best version of Zach Wilson? But do you just want to get him out there and get going? Because inevitably he's going to be the starter here at some point in the next few weeks and just rip the Band-Aid off and go. 
or do you want Joe to deal with the Ravens here in week one and give Zach Wilson one more week of rest and recovery? Uh, it's, it's a t- I'm very up in the air about it, Mike. What about you? How do you feel about it? I, I look at that schedule. I assess the realistic possibility of picking off the Ravens week one and what it could potentially do to Zach Wilson if he's not ready, if he gets re-injured. I would rather save him for the trip to Cleveland where I think I have a chance to beat the Browns without Deshaun Watson. If he's that close now, I'd rather give him some more time. Yeah, I hear you. I know. I, I guess it's I, where, where you worry about it a little is just like, well, you know, I guess if they look good, Joe Flacco plays good. Okay, wait, hey, let's give him another week. And, you know, okay, now we got another week without playing, and it's Joe Flacco. The guess, Mike White effect. Well, I guess there's there's that aspect too, and then also not even the Mike White effect, but just also at some point, like, wait, this is the guy that's your future. You you got to throw him out there. He's got to play. I don't care that you know. Okay, he's not a hundred percent, but you know these reps and and the the ability to get out there and deal with some of these situations are things that he needs to do. So that's where it, it is really tough. I guess I would. If I feel like he's 95% or better, I, I'd probably go Zach Wilson and just go, let's I, get the training wheels off and let's go. If it's questionable at all, I think I'd lean towards you to go, you know what, why are we risking it? He's not totally himself out here on the practice field. Let's play Joe Flacco. The part of me that loves a little chaos yeah. is, is hopeful that they go with Flacco, that they win. Right. And then all those Jets fans get all stirred right. up. Let's ride Joe. Jersey Joe. Here we the go. The back page of one of the tabloids. Hey, right. Zach, go Flacco yourself. We'll be the headline come Monday. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to predict the order of the teams in the AFC West. Jeez. <laughs> can, can we get something a little harder on a, on a Tuesday morning after a long weekend, predicting the order of the teams in the AFC West. We're going to try that next on this Tuesday edition of PFF. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. There are the odds to win the AFC West. The Chiefs, the favorites at plus 170. Chargers not too far behind. Broncos at plus 300. If you're looking for value, folks, if you're in a jurisdiction where this kind of stuff is officially legal or if you just happen to have a guy, if you're in one of the states where it's not legal yet and you know a guy who can take a little action, 6-1 to one for the Raiders. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. That stands out to me. Not that I'm predicting them to win the division, but there just seems to be value in 6-1 odds there. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to predict the order of finish in the AFC West. And they have it set up to go from fourth to first. I think it's more interesting if we flip it. I think, I think it's more interesting if we start first and work our way down. Because I think it's going to get harder as we get to the bottom. 
than it is for other divisions as you get to the top. Are you with me on that? I'm sure. On Whatever that? you think. Whatever you think. I don't know. I mean, I a lot think- of people are picking the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl and all that, too. So I don't know if it's necessarily any harder either way. I think it's a very good conversation, this division altogether. Do you not have the Chiefs as your first place team? I got the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl again. Just that's full transparency. I already laid that on well, the my. They pod- can get there without. They can get there without winning. Yeah, the division. I'm taking them to go number one though. I don't. The, the the Chiefs to me. I look at. I don't. I don't think the offense is going to miss a beat. I'm picking them to go number one. They've retooled their team on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to be. I think more athletic. And just a more violent group on that side, a more talented group than they've been in a few years. And that's where I'm excited about the Chiefs. So the Chiefs are a team I look at that that got better and didn't play their best football last year and still were in the AFC Championship game. I still think they're the kings of the AFC. To the extent that we are focusing today, and we did earlier in the program, on actual or perceived slights, indignities, insults, the Chiefs can... They don't have to make anything up. No, they don't. The Chiefs are the ones that can look around and say, well, what the hell else do we have to do to be regarded as a serious threat to get to the Super Bowl and win it? We've been in the conference championship game four years in a row. We got to the Super Bowl twice. The other two times, we could have made it. We almost made it. Um, and and one was flip of the coin. The other was they, they screwed up. They played not to lose in the second half against the Bengals. So they continue to be a great team, and I'm with you. I think they win the division. We haven't done our official picks yet at PFT. I got another day to change my mind 50 times before I take my hand off the checker, but I I view them as a serious threat to get to the Super Bowl and win it this year. I definitely think they win the division. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. There's just there's too many positives. It's just it's it's you know arguably the best player in the game. You know me, Mahomes and Allen to me are in a little bit of a different class. Offensive line to me is. Best pass-protecting conversation in, in football when it comes to that. Weapons are still very good across the board. Some no-name guys that I think are going to jump out and surprise some people. Good running backs. Secondary's better and more talented. You know, Justin Reed's an upgrade for Tyrone Matthew. Frank Clark had a down year last year. I don't expect that to happen. They got some other rookies that are studs. I just, I, I Mahomes looks great. I, I'm I'm with you, Mike. I just to me, people are sleeping on the Chiefs. I I look at them and just go, wow, what's what's not to like? I know there's no Tyreek. That's the only thing, and they still got a lot of damn good players playing receiver. Is it because we just have this desire for some new flavor of ice cream? I don't understand. I I don't. And then again, the Chiefs have to be very happy about it. Number one, you don't get a big head. Number two, you put a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, sure. Perfect for Andy Reid that this is what's going on. All right, who do you have in second place? I'm going to go. I'm going to go Chargers here. I'm going to go Chargers. I am. You know, there's some things I question. I'm a little scared of Brandon Staley and some of the game management stuff. There's there's no doubt to me. There's a few games last year where again I. I know that they won because they were aggressive, but I certainly can go back to a few and go, no, they lost because they were aggressive too. They wouldn't have been in some of the situations they were late in the game. And I go, well, they would have had three or six more points or nine more points and still would have won. But I think all in all, you know, I like their offensive system. I like Brandon Staley and what he does on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's got the right players to play his defensive system now. And yeah, I think they're a team that I look at to be in the playoffs and, and dangerous, and I'm I'm picking them to be number two. Yes, no doubt about it. I am not. I am not. This is where you're going and, Raiders, huh? 
And for as much as I'm accused of hating the Raiders, sorry, people who think I hate the Raiders. I've got the Raiders ahead of the Chargers. And I want to focus on the Chargers. The Chargers, to me, and this is not a timely reference by any stretch of the imagination. It goes back to the early days of Saturday Night Live. There was a character played by Gilda Radner called Roseanne Rosanna Dana, and one of her catchphrases was, it's always something. And with the Chargers, to me, it's always something. There's always something. A key injury at a bad time, a bad decision, a bounce of the ball, of this, that, there's always something that is holding them back. And you and I both love Brandon Staley, and he may be an excellent head coach in his second stop, but he's going to aggressive his way out of a job you better with watch the Chargers. It. Sure. Because, look, I, I said this to Peter King on Friday, and I don't know if he just wasn't listening to me or if he disagrees. Maybe he was being polite. I am a firm believer. And, look, I, I, I'm not looking to alienate the analytics crowd this early on a, a Tuesday morning or any morning for that matter. But some of these razor-thin margins that they use – to decide the right thing to do. Well, you know, you got a 46% chance of winning if you go for it, but you only have a 44% chance of winning if you punt. Who the hell cares about 2% in a situation like that? It informs your decision. It doesn't make your decision. And once you have decided that I'm always going to embrace, go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it, you become predictable as a team. You become predictable as a coach. The best way to be is unpredictable. You want to be willing to go for it, you want to be willing to not go for it. You want to have that guy over there on the other sideline with a headset on wondering, I wonder what the hell this guy is going to do, because I really don't know. we got to be ready for anything. That's the sweet spot. That's the Belichick. With Belichick, you never quite know what he's going to do. You, there's an element of mystery that keeps the other coach on his heels. There's no mystery with Brandon Staley. You're ready for it. You're preparing for it. we got to have extra... Fourth and short plays. We've got to have extra goal line plays. We've got to have extra two-point conversion defense ready because we know what he's going to do. We know what he's going to do. That doesn't help him. And I feel like I'm talking to a wall when I say that, and I'm going to keep talking to that wall because eventually I'm going to be proven right. That wall is going to fall down. Yeah, well, I, I hope it doesn't continue that way. I mean, I think what you're talking about is being tactically aggressive, and that's not what they are. They are consistently aggressive, which is – They're recklessly aggressive. Recklessly aggressive. That's the way to say Stubbornly it. Stubbornly aggressive. Yeah. The two, you know, and then I, I know it's, hey, we're going to play aggressive, and hey, it's, you know, we got this quarterback, and that's all great too. But, but I would hope, like – things change from the adjustments you've made this offseason with your defense to where you have more confidence in your defense this year. You know, I know last year they weren't very good, so hopefully that changes things. Because the way they played last year did not give their defense, like, confidence. They go, well, it's another situation, and, man, we don't trust the defense. Who cares if it's fourth and eight in the middle of the field? We're going for it. You know, because our defense will probably let them go down the field and score anyway. So we might as well try to score right here. And I, I don't find that to be a recipe for success, let alone to be, you know, recklessly aggressive. And this is where I think you get in the New England thing where, you know, tactical as far as reading that game out itself, reading that game out would be huge. I go back to that Chiefs game at the end of the year in Los Angeles and go, wait, we're going to go for it on fourth down. I don't know how many times it was. Seven times in that game, maybe eight, seven, six, something like that. They only made it one time, I believe. 
And in that, that time, what was it, Mike? The Chiefs were the hottest defense in football, right, for like six weeks in a row. There was nobody better. You know, they were – you couldn't score on them. They were creating turnovers, and that's how they played. And yet they held the Chiefs to some field goals and some issues like that to where their defense hung in there that night. But because they didn't take their points, they ended up losing the game, and it affected the way they had to coach the game at the end because they were behind by a margin that they shouldn't have been behind by. So that's where, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with, with their overall consistent aggressiveness either. I know life is a lot easier when you don't have to make big decisions. You've already pre-made the decision. I remember there was a story not that long ago, within the past five, ten years, about a coach. I think it was a high school team. They always did an onside kick. Always. They always went for it on fourth down and always did an onside kick. Always, 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 always. Right? No, that doesn't work. You have to be ready to make a tough decision. You have to be ready to make a decision. You can't make all the decisions ahead of time. It makes it harder to win games, and hopefully the Chargers will figure that out. So I've got the Chargers third behind the Raiders. Yeah. Who do you have third behind the Chargers? I'm going Raiders there. I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm going the Raiders. The, the Raiders, hey, I, I think coaching both sides of the ball is going to be, you know, different, better. I think the offense will be better. I think the defense will be creatively different and better as well. Mike, you know what my thoughts are with them a little bit. I just worry about do they have the right pieces and and place to play some of their defensive schemes they want to play. You know, do they have enough defensive tackles to two gap and and be, and do the things that Patrick Graham wants? Their O line is certainly questionable. I think they're going to put up a lot of stats throwing the ball. I think they're going to be a pain in the butt. I'm picking them third for sure. I think more of the story is is the fact of. The Broncos fourth, and, and and I feel very good about that, actually, if, if you want to get into that. Somebody's got to be fourth in the toughest division in football, Broncos fans. I'm sorry. It pains me to do it. I'm excited by where this team is heading. But look at the changes that have accumulated in this organization in the last 18 months. Yeah. New general manager. Right. New head coach. Right. New quarterback. New owner. New everything. Everything. So. How do you expect to compete when you are dropped in with the likes of the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers, given where they currently are? I, I, I just, I know they've got big aspirations, and that's Russell Wilson's mantra. I don't, you know, if he was looking for a place where the deck is stacked for him, maybe it's going to be stacked in a few years. It sure as hell isn't stacked now, Chris. No, it, it's like we see potential, but there's too many ifs and whats and candies and buts, like you're talking about. This isn't the same as like. Stafford to the Rams or Brady to the Bucks, where we go, wait, everything's in place. These teams are awesome. These coaches have been here and laid down a foundation of way like, hey, this could be kind of good here. We just need the quarterback. This is, like you said, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's everything. They've redecorated the house completely. Then I think you add that on to, okay, Russell Wilson's learning a new system. Nathaniel Hackett's a first-time head coach. The offensive line's middle of the road. The receivers, yes, there's potential. But Cortland Sutton, is he going to return to the guy before the ACL? KG Hamler, he hasn't done anything yet. Jerry Judy, you know, we see little glimpses, and then he got hurt last year. The defense, like, what's there to write home about in the front seven? Secondary's good. I like that. Justin Simmons, you know, Patrick Sertain, ballers, no doubt. But I, I just look at it and go, I think all the new pieces, like you're talking about, all the moving parts – and then just, to me, a roster that, 
you know, is definitely not as talented as the Chiefs and the Chargers. Maybe maybe can rival the Raiders, but I just feel better about the Raiders being a little battle tested and a team that's been together for a little while. So that's I'm with you, Mike. I'm going Broncos fourth all the way here too. And Russell Wilson's on board for seven years now. That happened while Chris was in his hammock, but seven years with the Broncos, and maybe at some point in the next seven years, that division will stop being the meat. I was here. We talked about it on Thursday. Oh, did we? Oh, when it broke. That's right. We talked about it when it broke. Uh, Peter and I broke it down after the press conference and all that stuff. Unless I'm completely misremembering. It feels like it's been a month since we've done the show. It's a long weekend. It's a good weekend. You take one day off, and it feels like you haven't been doing it for a whole month. Let's take a break. Not one day, but five days is the lead time the Patriots are giving themselves to get ready to do something they haven't done very often, win in Miami. We'll discuss that next on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. The Patriots don't play the Dolphins until Sunday. They're getting a head start and heading down to South Florida today. They reportedly want to get acclimated to the heat and humidity, but here's what Coach Bill Belichick had to say when he was asked on Sunday about the travel arrangements for week one at Miami. I think there are a combination of factors, but in the end it all looked like it's set up fairly well here, so... um... You know, make the travel on Tuesday instead of on Saturday. We'll already be down there. Be able to just focus on the Dolphins. Will they really be focused on the Dolphins, Chris? I don't know what the rules are in the CBA. First of all, for uprooting your team and taking them five days in advance, it's not like you can lock them in their hotel rooms when they're there. You've said it before. Teams go to Miami for a road game, and they think they're on vacation at some point, these guys are going to be able to leave the nest. At some point, it is going to be a little bit of a distraction that they're in Miami. But you know what? What they've done in the past hasn't worked. That's they've, right. They've lost four out of five and I think seven, seven out, out of nine, nine right. in Miami. Yeah. So they got to do something different. Yeah, I think that that's what it is. You know, maybe, maybe just, you know, get down there, get acclimated to the brutal heat this time of the year down in Miami that just can't be replicated in the Northeast. Certainly not. That catches teams by, you know, by surprise. It's a real home field advantage for the Florida teams there early in the year. I mean, I, we used to love that when I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> We're going to wear our white jerseys. They'll have to wear their dark jerseys. They're going to melt out here because it's hot as hell. So there is that aspect. And, yeah, they haven't done well. Brady, whatever, Super Bowl years, they have struggled down there. And then it's like, you know, I just think a team that's – he, he probably just goes, let's get down there. Let's get focused. We we got enough issues to deal with, the offensive coordinator thing and all that, and they're playing a team in Miami that is extremely talented, extremely. So I think that's what you're saying, Mike. I don't. I think it's just like, hey, we got to change something up here. Let's get down there and just get used to life there instead of being shocked by it when we get there a Saturday afternoon. You run the risk of what you're talking about. Yeah, guys are going to go out a little bit. They're going to go out to dinner and stuff, but I would think that New England's going to have, you know, some sort of curfew or something there to keep it in check. It's a pretty mature football team. Uh, I'd be shocked if we hear they're out, you know, on South Beach clubbing or anything like that too too aggressively. Just calibrate the robots. They know when to come home. Yeah, Stepford Patriots. Seriously, if 
of any of the teams in the NFL, that's one not to worry about. But, Chris, you know, we showed the, the scores of the game since 2013. It's not as if the Dolphins have been a juggernaut at any point in the last nine years. That's the other side of it. For the first time in a long time, you could objectively look at these teams top to bottom and say, I think the Dolphins are better. I, I think so, too. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And now, and now we have to see, is Mike McDaniel better? Or, you know, is he an advantage for their football team? How is Tua look, right? Those are the big questions. But from the roster, I mean, Miami is it's they're they're one of the best rosters in the game. I think the only thing we question is offensive line and and quarterback a little bit. Receivers are through the roofs, good running backs, defensive line and front seven is really damn good, secondary special. So you just look at it from that lens and I go, there's no question Miami has more talent on the field than than the New England Patriots. Plus they, you know, got a new coach that's gonna give them a little bit of a schematical advantage of wait, you don't know what the hell we're going to do and what's going to be our plan of attack here under Mike McDaniel. And I think that gives them a little advantage too. So there's some first-game gymnastics to be dealt with for Bill Belichick here for sure. Belichick addressed that on Sunday, the $64,000 question of what teams are going to do. They don't show what they're going to do in the preseason. You don't have any way of knowing what's going to happen. Now, Belichick presumably studying everything the 49ers have done during McDaniel's time there for some clues, but you never know what kind of curveball you're going to get. Here's McDaniel from yesterday talking about facing the legend that is Bill Belichick in McDaniel's first ever game as an NFL head coach. Yeah, I mean, can there be a a larger disparity in career win-loss total? Um, No, I... It would be a bigger deal, I think, if uh, Coach Belichick and I were on the field, uh, maybe doing like an Oklahoma drill. Um, but I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, I don't think the fans would really pay for that. So uh, there, there's, uh, you know, we we do our best. To, you know, I I know one thing that um, that coaches in the National Football League, especially experienced NFL head coaches, especially, um, you know, arguably the best coach of all time bill belichick he's going to be prepared um so you're you're uh you know that um as a head coach you better prepare your team and leave uh no stone unturned otherwise you'll um uh you'll end up kind of coaching with regret after the fact um luckily the schedules come came out a long time ago so i uh, digested that um and uh knew what week one was and um, luckily, I'm going. It's the Miami Dolphins versus the New England Patriots, and um, not uh, a one-on-one square off between head coaches. I disagree with Mike McDaniel. I would pay a lot of money for Oklahoma drills between Mike McDaniel and Bill Belichick. Not as entertaining as they may be involving some other head coaches, but I think McDaniel versus Belichick would be worth the price of admission. And oh, by the way, 311 career wins for Belichick and zero. For Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I mean it's it's fascinating when you break it down from from that standpoint. You know, you got the the two Alabama first round quarterbacks going against each other. You got an ex coach from a, a defensive coordinator in Miami that's a New England guy. Uh, and then you talk about yes, it's the Matt Patricia Joe Judge conversation. There's there are a lot of cool storylines with this football game. But yeah, I mean it, it's the Patriots to me are, are a real question mark for the first time in a long time. I know it's early and we don't know and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, defense, sir, I'm sure it's going to be good. But how good? I don't know. 
You know, again, I don't know. There's no J.C. Jackson. You know, they're they're there's they're they're not maybe as star powered as they were before. They got a lot of good guys on the front seven. Offense, I think, is still questioned too, and didn't look good during the preseason. Just you know, as far as talent wise, it doesn't jump off the screen. And then I think you add in the like Belichick and his defenses. They've had issues with the Shanahan offense and what they can do. So that that to me also is another thing to look out for. You know, Miami is unique in the fact, Mike, that they can play just like Shanahan, kind of smash mouth football. Two running backs on the field. We got a tailback, a fullback, and a tight end, and two receivers. But damn, they're fast as hell. This group and your base defense cannot stay with this group. And that's kind of where Shanahan, like, remember two years ago, they went to New England in the Cam Newton COVID year and ran the Patriots off the field. And I look at this team and go, oh, there's a lot of similarities here. You know, they got their Debo Samuel and their Brandon Ayuk and Raheem Mostert and all these kind of guys and Gasecki to replace a Kittle to where I think it could stress the Patriots out in a lot of, a lot of ways. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. A great game out of the gates between a couple of teams that may be moving in different directions in the AFC East. We're going to flip to the AFC North when we return, predicting the order of finish in that division. More uh, to come. On this Tuesday edition, of more to come. Right back. John um, Lamar had said this was going to be a week where he would like to have the talks stop right when the season wants to mm-hmm. the season. Are you aware of any updates with that situation? Has the deadline passed? Where's that at? From what you can tell? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't have any updates on that. There's nothing that I'm aware of. It's been football, football, football for for players and coaches. And um, that's kind of where we're at. My interactions with Lamar have been all football. And he's been focused and locked in on that 100% uh, from a football standpoint. So that's kind of where we're at. And just really, I don't personally have anything to add that I know of. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson ever specifically gave a deadline to the Ravens. But the bottom line is, it is time. This is it. The practices begin tomorrow with specific focus. On the New York Jets, game planning today. Lamar locked in. Lamar ready to go. I, I'd i be surprised at this point if it happens, Chris. I would, too. I, I don't expect it. It just feels like we've never heard any inklings of, oh, we thought it was close or anything like that to, to make us feel like it was going down the right road there. And... Yeah, I just I don't expect it to either at this point. And and again, there is the contract situation. It's it's complicated. It is, and it's it's not you know it's not because of Lamar Jackson. I I would be one that would go, please Lamar, take you know the money that's guaranteed somewhere between one hundred and seventy and two hundred and thirty million. Take it, please. Like you always say, it's a great phrase. Put the risk back on the football team. Please do that. But at the same time. You know, I, I, I understand you want to get as much as you can get, and he's looking at it because of that stupid Cleveland contract where he's going, that's not my fault. That guy got that, and I feel like I'm better than that guy. So that's that's obviously throwing a wrench into the, the situation and made things very hard. Job one, get the best number from the Ravens on the table. Job two, evaluate it objectively and dispassionately and compare it to your alternative. Without a competent and skilled agent, it's impossible to get the best number and to make a truly neutral assessment of whether or not it's in his best interest to take the deal. If he had a good agent, he'd have a deal in place. Now, this isn't about the Ravens being cheap or reluctant. They signed their guys. Now, I know it's 
10-year anniversary of the whole Flacco thing, but I'd like to think they learned a lesson from Flacco. I think they're ready. It's just how do you get it done without that intermediary to negotiate and then advise Lamar Jackson on what he needs to do. All right, we need to get moving with the order of the teams in the AFC North. Who do you have in first place, Chris? Oh, we're going first? You're going to start off first here with this let's one? Do for, oh, no, let's do fourth. Let's do fourth. I changed. I flipped it for the West, but let's go back. Who's in fourth place? All right, I'm, I'm the Browns. I'm going with the Browns fourth. And it's crazy to say, with all the talent they have on their team, to say they're going to be fourth. But, yeah, I don't – they're just – I can't get behind it. It's a good division. There's been a lot of dysfunction there in Cleveland – you know, you're talking about a, an offense and, and a quarterback that barely played in the preseason, and when he did, it didn't even look that good in preseason game number three. Now, I will say this. I recognize they have a, a favorable schedule where you can look at Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers, and the Falcons the first four weeks and go, they might have a better roster than all four of those teams. You know, Maybe they are 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one to start. But where I start to look at it and go, oh, it gets real – it's like when you get to week five and it's Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. Yeah, they get the Texans, but then it's the Bengals, Ravens, Saints, Commander, Steelers. I don't know. I just, to me, I can't get behind them. I don't trust it. I got to see the defense be the defense. I question defensive tackle. Jadeveon Clowney's a year older. Their defense feasted on the poor last year. You know, Amari Cooper, I'm not sold on that. You look at that. Man, him outside on grass is not very mm-hmm. good throughout his career. He's mm-hmm. their new free agent guy. I don't, I'm going fourth for Cleveland. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree with you. 11-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Remember the story, the notion, the theory that the owners who aren't happy with Deshaun Watson contract wanted him to not miss the entire year, so the Browns have to check this off as year one and right. pay him $46 million next year. And what are you going to do with Deshaun Watson when he comes back? How good are you going to be? Are you going to be five and six? Are you going to be six and five? Are you going to be any better than that? I don't think so when you look at that schedule. Browns in fourth place. Third place gets a little more interesting because we got the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Ravens. Who's in third place among those three teams for you? I'm going to take Pittsburgh here. I'm going to go Pittsburgh. And I think with Pittsburgh, you know, they're, they scare me picking them third because, like, you, as we always discuss and, like, your pasta and meatballs gut always discusses, like, when they're backed into a corner, that's when they, you know, come back with the, a furious bite. Their defense does have talent, but I think with the offensive line, I just look at that and go, man, I question that. They're in a really good division, and I think where I worry about them a little bit is that battle line, and we, we discussed this a little last week, I believe, where they got to play some good defensive lines early. I mean, their first seven weeks, first eight weeks, wow, there's some good defenses. And I just to me, I could see them struggling a little bit. You know, the B500 early. I just, I, I'm not sold on them like I am the teams that I'm going to put at the top of the division. So I'm putting the Steelers third. But that fits right into the formula. I know. I know. That's why, that's why I can't put them third. But if not them, who? Who lands in third and gets all pissy because they're picked to be in third place? If you put the Ravens there, they're going to get pissy. If you put the Bengals there, they're going to get pissy. I'm going to put the Ravens there, even though I believe the Ravens can be good enough to get to the playoffs. And what the AFC this year? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Look at look at the teams 
and then tell yourself only seven of these teams are making it to the playoffs. I know. That's They're why I just, be, yeah. There's a potential Super Bowl champion that isn't going to get a ticket to the table, and it could be the Ravens. It could be the Ravens. I'll put them in third place. Reluctantly, I'll put them in third place. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that. I am. I, I certainly would not. I'm not. I'd be too. There's too many. I don't question that many things about the Ravens. Um my, I mean, I'm putting them first. I'm in second place. I'm going Bengals second place. I think they're going to be a little bit of like the, hey, Super Bowl hangover to a degree. You know, yeah, you got a bullseye on your back, certainly. Um, I don't know if they can re- replicate, you know, the, the end of the year magic that they had all year last year, all this year. I don't know, but I think they're a playoff football team. And I think, again, when you look at their schedule, I go, hey, there's no doubt that they're the better team on the field the first three games of the year. Now, I know they got to go win it, but I, their, their roster's better than the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Jets to start the year. I could see them starting off 3-0. and And like we talked about a lot during the offseason, I think last year was only a jump-off point. I think if the, game, the season continued after the Super Bowl, the Bengals were still getting better. And I just think that's going to continue with this young team. It gives them confidence. Their O-line is better. So I'm going to take the Bengals second. But it was it was tough for me to whether or not to take them first. But, uh, so you got the Ravens. Yeah. You got the Ravens all the way at number one. Yes. After not making the playoffs last year, you got them top of the division. I do. I just I, – I, to me, they're one of those teams that I kind of just go, man, I don't know. It just – Lamar's on a mission. I think whatever by this contract – their O-line should be healthy, and when that is healthy, it's it can be dominant. Running back, we're still waiting to get it 100%. Tight ends are great. I think the defense is going to be phenomenal. I just look at the Ravens roster and go, man, if they can just stay healthy, they're to me, I, I look at them and think they're yeah a major player in the AFC, You know, in the hunt for number one, number two seed in, in, in the conference. Last year, what they did with all those injuries was a testament to the coaching skills of John Harbaugh. Yeah. Right. You give him a full deck, and, and he, I, I, I reluctantly put him in third. You know what I think? I, uh, first of all, Lamar Jackson at 230, 235, that may be a little bit too big yeah, for my scary. liking. I hear you. I wonder if he's still, still going to have his burst and explosion, and I wonder at what point the contract gets in his head. Last year, it wasn't an issue because he wasn't talking to right. him at all. This year, he spent the entire offseason trying to get the financial reward that he deserves, and he hasn't been able to do it. Is it in his head this year? Is he thinking about it this year? He got that injury last year with a legal low hit. He was out of the pocket, took a hit to the ankle, missed the last three or four games of the season. I, I just, I, I really, I really wonder whether or not this is a year the contract gets in his head and maybe he plays a little carefully knowing that that contract is there. Kind of like Jadavian Clowney last year at, at South Carolina. Remember, he I just kind of, it was kind of yeah. like just a little, the, the gas was a little bit off because you're thinking a little bit too much about the consequences of an injury. Yeah. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. The best way to make it not happen is to get the contract done. But but that's my concern with the Ravens. I'm putting the Bengals at number two. And sometimes in your life, you just have to trust the things that you have witnessed and experienced. Now, look, I've never been a Steelers fan. And I know that people are like, oh, you're a Steelers fan. I'm not, and I never have been. But I've been in and around Pittsburgh my entire life. I know how this organization operates. They've had 
three coaches since I was just out of diapers for crying out loud. And now they have two head coaches in Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores. And they have a cripplingly good defense. And they've got a running back in Najee Harris who could explode this year. And they've got a pretty good group of receivers, as you haven't noticed. And I think they'll be fine with Mitchell Trubisky. And you got Mike Tomlin for the first time in his year without Ben Roethlisberger, in his career without Ben Roethlisberger. This is his chance to prove what he can do. He said to Peter King, when Peter King raised all the negatives, bring it on. And, you know, I... (laughs) I, 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 I know that this same mindset is what caused me to foolishly pick the Steelers to beat the Chiefs in the wild card round, but, but I, I just can't ignore everything I've ever seen, experienced, and felt in my entire lifetime of following the NFL, dating back to the moment Frank, Frank O'Harris caught the ricochet and took it in for a touchdown back in December of 1972. I can't ignore that. That's why I have the Steelers at number one. All right, that's fine. That's I don't agree with this pasta and meatballs in your gut. I don't. This is like ketchup and some crappy hamburger helper. helper Let's or see what happens. In there. Let's see I what think happens. Bad. We'll Bring see. it on. Bring it on. When you got two head coaches, you got, you got two head coaches. <laughs> okay. And it's going to help the Steelers. Let's take a break. We're going to draft the candidates to be MVP for the first time ever in their careers when PFT Live continues right after this. There are the odds for MVP 2022, the favorite, just like his team. There it is. A little more pressure for Josh Allen. Uh, Chris, let's do a draft of the guys most likely to win MVP for the first time in their careers. And I have to remember who has and hasn't won the MVP. I had to, I had it open. I don't want to. We know Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in this draft. Some of the others. Always no, Tom Brady. Uh, who knows? Right. Uh, who, who, who do you got? Who's well, your first pick? I'm going with Josh Allen. I mean, there's I'm, a shock. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to take that for sure. I mean, you know, he's been on the, the cusp of being in the MVP the last two years. I honestly think it should have been closer the last two years with what he's done. You know? and, and, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen – I mean, again, a guy that can dissect you and make all the right decisions in the pocket. Oh, wait, the play broke down. You know, him and Mahomes, the best in the business, said, okay, now we're going to play backyard football. And then, as I'll say with Josh Allen, too, other than Lamar Jackson, I don't know, between Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, he's the best running quarterback in football right there. So uh, I will take him, plus I think their team is going to be good, too. So we know that's a big factor in this. Typically, the MVP is the quarterback of one of the teams that end up being the number one seed, right? That's how it goes. And so if the Bills are the one seed in the AFC, Josh Allen, he's got a big enough name. He can be that guy. So guided by my own twisted logic, I'm going to go Matthew Stafford. You know, there's only five guys in the NFL who have won MVP awards. Five guys currently under contract with MVPs. Stafford has not. Rams end up number one seed. Stafford kind of gets the coronation for what he did last year. Remember, this is all subjective. It's voted upon. And I could see Stafford getting a lot of votes, just as kind of career appreciation, won the Super Bowl, wasn't the MVP of the Super Bowl. If the Rams are the one seed, I could see Stafford being the MVP, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I wrote him down 100%. I mean, last year, again, you know, he did some special things. He threw for 41 touchdown passes. I believe that was only second to Brady, right? So, you know, year two, you'd think he'd be more comfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at you there for that pick. That, that's certainly where my mind went. Um, Joe Burrow's going to be my next one. 
You know, just because, again, we think the team is going to be good. He should be better protected. And we know they got weapons galore to throw the ball to. To where I wouldn't be shocked if it was, you know, again, last year we had a rare year with Joe Burrow. And the fact that he threw the ball as aggressively as he did down the field and still threw for 70%. That, that to me, is a rare combination when that happens. And he's rare that way. So I certainly could see him throwing for 4,900 yards and 45 touchdowns. I don't think that's a crazy thought with the big play Bengals and Joe Burrow and the weapons he's got at his disposal. Next one for me, even though it's going to be a tall order for them to be the one seed, Justin Herbert is so damn good. Maybe he could put up the kind of numbers and the kind of dazzling moments that would overcome not winning the division or not being the one seed. Or maybe they will win the division. Who knows? But Herbert just has so much buzz around him and so much of a sense that he's just getting started and the potential is unlimited as he enters year three. He's a guy that needs to be taken seriously too, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, it was to me it was between Burrow and Herbert. You're right. They threw 5,000 yards last year. So, And then, it's again, it's a team that we think is going to be better. Better record, maybe doesn't throw for 5,000 yards, was more efficient, more touchdown passes. He's, he's that type of talent. He's a superstar. So I'm I'm with you there in that pick. And I was just thinking, like, wait, go ahead, what? No, I was going to say, hold your thought. We're we're going to go commercial? We're doing the third round after this. But gotcha. if you have one more to button up that point, go ahead. No, I just, when you said the five current MVPs, I was thinking, and then I, it came to my head. So it's Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes. Um, it's uh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. And Lamar, right? That would be the five? Yes. yes. Okay. I just wanted to have that in my own brain. Thank it you. It would be six if Cam Newton was on a roster, but he's not. Right. All right. Let's go ahead and break. One more pick each. Extra time to make your final selection. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, there we are so far. First-time MVP candidates for 2022. Weird to see Stafford on there, but Matthew Stafford never been MVP. He's been comeback player of the year, but not an MVP. Chris, who do you have in round three? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the annoying thing about this award is that you don't, you don't even think about other positions. I mean, I got to just say that flat out. It's, it's a little annoying. It is. The MVP for the Super Bowl, the MVP for, you know, the regular seasons become quarterback. Unless it's a quarterback that's not very popular like Matthew Stafford, then they find a reason to give it to somebody else. But it's just annoying. It's annoying. I don't, I don't, it is, it's, we've gotten to a point where it's like quarterback, 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 quarterback. And I go, well, there's other guys I'd like to pick here, but I'm not because I'm going to stay with the quarterback because it's inevitable. And I will go with Dak Prescott here. I just, you know, to follow the guidelines of a team that maybe is surprisingly good or I still think a playoff caliber-ish type of football team, I could see Stafford putting, I mean, Prescott putting up huge numbers and I don't have much faith in their run game and I could see the game laying out to where he's got to throw for 5,000 yards and close to 45, 50 touchdowns. Are you ready? Yeah. Mitch Trubisky? Blow the horn. He's going to go to Cousins or Justin Jefferson? I'm going Justin Jefferson. I'm still waiting for you to blow the horn. It doesn't count. <laughs> I think there's never been a receiver. I don't think I know. There's never been a receiver to win the NFL MVP award. The time is now. Number 18 for the Vikings is going to explode this year in the Kevin O'Connell offense. He's going to play the Cooper Cup role to, to heights that Cup didn't last year. All due respect to Cooper Cup. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be the, well, I, I would have made it my first pick, 
I got, I got to come up with a third one. Justin Jefferson's in the conversation. Because it won't be Kirk Cousins. No. Because that'll be one where if it is good, nobody will give it to him. Like, if his stats are amazing and they had a supply, they'd go, well, he's just not cool enough, so we won't give it to him. That'll be the one time the quarterback doesn't work. You're right. But I hear you. I like your love there. I was thinking Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel, too. Safe travels, Chris. We'll see Thanks, everybody buddy. else tomorrow morning. I'll see you next week. Peace. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.